If you have your copy of Scripture, uh, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6. We, this morning, looking at uh, verses 4 to 20, but we'll get to uh, the reading in just a moment. We're continuing on this series through the book of Hebrews, and it's been exciting to be able to work our way through some of that as a, a church. Now, we're only on uh, chapter 6 at the moment. We're right in a, if you remember, we're in a section of the book that uh, kind of covers chapters 5 to 9, talking about the uh, priestly function and ministry of Jesus, how he represents us before God, and uh, he is uh, the perfect one to represent us, being God in flesh. God himself uh, stands before God on our behalf, and how he presents sacrifices for our sins. In fact, he himself, or offered himself as uh, the once and for all sacrifice for all sin. He is that perfect sacrifice. Now, last week we took a little bit of a break from uh, that section about the priestly duties and functions of Jesus in that uh, although we didn't take a break from Hebrews, we continued on the passage, but the rock was challenging the church about our spiritual maturity and how we should take God's word to heart and apply it to our daily lives, how we should be helping one another to grow in the knowledge and love and faith of Christ. And so today we find ourselves... Still in Hebrews uh, chapter 6, we were in the first uh, three verses last week, and this time we're focusing both on our walk with God and the priestly function of Christ and a challenge to be faithful as we know that Christ is forever faithful. So look with me in, in your copy of the scripture of Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. It says... It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust, and He will not forget your work and the love that you've shown, sorry, that you've shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Now I'll just stop there uh, with our reading for just a moment to reflect back on some of those passages because that's a, uh, a lot to, to take in. Now, the beginning part of um, Hebrews chapter 6 here, at least in verses 4 to 12, is really a challenge uh, for us to, to keep standing strong and to keep trusting in God no matter what. It says now is the time really to follow Him. Now is the time to focus on Him. Now, it's important to note that um, I think this passage here is not talking to, uh, to Christians or those who have put their faith in Him, but still to those who have not yet chosen to fully follow him. 
they've not uh, yet decided to fully put their faith in Him. And yet it's to a group of people who God has revealed Himself to them completely. It says they have the full knowledge of who He is. They have seen His power and His majesty. They, they are starting to understand His mercy. And so now is the time to follow. It's your choice, the passage is saying, but to turn away would be fatal. And yet there's a challenge for us to take seriously uh, the gospel that is presented, the, the opportunity we have to have hope, to have life eternal, eternal. And that is our personal opportunity and responsibility to accept this gift which God graciously gives to all through Jesus Christ. This talks about someone who has known God as, as true, recognized the power of God's grace, felt the faithfulness of God's love, been touched by God's word, and felt his power. And yet, to turn away, to, so to turn away at, at this point is to reject God completely. And they're in danger of not having that opportunity uh, to trust in God again. Now, it's impossible for someone to have known God so deeply to fall away it says, and to uh, be returned to repentance. Man can be drawn to God and then decide to, uh, to turn to Him and accept His free gift of grace. And if we reject it, our hearts often become hardened, making it challenging to ever really know Him. If we know Him so greatly and choose to leave Him completely, not just walking away, but a complete, utter rejection of God, our hearts become hardened by this and it becomes challenging for us to ever really know Him. It's as though Christ, in fact, it challenges the reader to take this very seriously and says this is more than just turning our backs on, on God, but it says it is as though we are crucifying Jesus over and over again. We're, we're bringing Him to death all over again. He is no longer, we're no longer considering Him as our Savior and our hope, but He is one that we are putting to death, one that we feel deserves death because He is either a fraud or a fake or a lie. And so we are rejecting that gospel which is presented to us, that opportunity to accept Him as our Lord and Savior. It says, you have been sh you've shared, the, the hope of Christ has been shared with you and uh, the gospel is being presented to you and, and this, this milk of God's Word is there for you and you're starting to understand who He is. But you need to move beyond that and, and claim Him uh, as your own, accept Him as your own personal Lord and Savior, give your life to Him, surrender so that you may grow in maturity. And says if you uh, turn away once you know Him and you experience His, His grace and His mercy, then it's challenging. God gives everyone an opportunity to know Him personally as Lord and Savior. He offers life to everyone, but He doesn't force us to follow Him. And yet at the same time, He never gives up on offering eternal life. There's an old poem called The Hound of Heaven that says, Jesus is that hound of heaven that uh, constantly pursues us constantly tries to relentlessly share His love and mercy with us. And so we're not talking about 
losing that salvation there because once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, we are eternally secure. To say otherwise is to say against scriptures like John chapter 10 when Jesus himself saying, uh, you are my sheep and my sheep know me and I know them and God has placed them in my hand and nothing can take them out of my hand and they are also in my Father's hand and nothing can take them out of my Father's hand. Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is challenging the church of Romans and says, there is nothing, absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the people the writer is talking to is at a point of should they follow God or should they not? And he says, absolutely, continue in that pursuit of God because he can be found and he wants to be found and he wants to share such love and grace and mercy with him. And the people that he's talking to who have found God and accepted, he encourages to keep on trusting, keep on believing, keep on being strong in the faith, maturing and growing in that faith. For those who haven't yet accepted Christ, he, can, he challenges them to continue in that pursuit of God, to trust completely in God and give their life to Him. For those who have a faith in Christ, not to be lazy with that faith, but to trust God even in uncertain times, even against impossible odds to put our faith completely in God. And it continues in verse 13 to say this, verse 13 to 20. It says, When God made His promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did, did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, we spoke some about Melchizedek uh, last week, and we'll speak more about him next week. He's in chapter 7. There's more details of who he is, but we'll get to the significance of that in a few moments. So the challenge in this first section of verses 4 to 12 is for us to be faithful to God if we haven't fully committed to God yet, to be faithful in that pursuit, uh, to, to accept Him as Lord and Savior, and to really put our trust completely in Him. And those who have accepted Him is to keep on going in that faith, keep on trusting Him no matter what, keep on knowing that His promises are true. And the second part is a great challenge to say we can be forever faithful because God Himself, sorry, we can be faithful because God Himself is forever faithful. His promises are true. Now, the, uh, the symbol of the, the rainbow has been hijacked, I guess, a, a bit lately in, uh, in the years, uh, recent years to mean something completely different from uh, how it was originally given. But God, in His Word, God gave uh, the rainbow 
as a sign in the heaven that uh, he uh, would promise to not ever wipe out the world by the flood again. And that his promises will be true and faithful. And I don't know about you, but when I see a rainbow in the sky, in fact, we just saw one um, yesterday, I guess it was, uh, or, or Friday. We were driving along Friday evening, heading toward Lake Haven, and there's this huge rainbow in the sky. And I forever am reminded of God's faithfulness to His Word, His faithfulness to His promises, that He never, never is slack concerning His promises. He is faithful, always, forever true. Now, everyone, it seems, is looking for something to believe in, or someone to believe in. Many turn to religion. Some turn to different healers that they've uh, seen on, on TV or uh, things that they've heard about on, uh, on the radio or through social media. There are many who promise the world and yet they leave people feeling empty because they have no power or strength in, them, in and of themselves. There's no other teaching or religious teaching that has any sort of power in and of itself. But we serve a God who is all-powerful, a God who created all of the earth and the one true Savior who has made a way for us all to have eternal life. Many leave you empty. God is the only one who can do the impossible. The only one who is completely faithful. Now, unfortunately, in today's society, we're, we're more used to unfaithfulness than we are to faithfulness. We're more used to broken promises than we are kept ones. And so I think it's increasingly challenging for us in today's society to really fully trust in God. And yet, ironically, God is the only one who doesn't break those promises. God is the only one who is forever faithful, who is steadfast and strong, the only one you can absolutely bank on and is completely secure. Even when I said he's one you can bank on, that used to be a secure statement. Now you can't really bank on the banks, can you? You can't trust that your money's always going to be there. One of our kids the other day was saying, they just don't understand superannuation and, and what all this means. I said, who does? I don't know. But it, it just means you put all this money into your super and you hope that by the time you retire, there's going to be some of it left there. You hope that there's going to be something to retire on. We put something away and we think this is secure and it's invested and it's fine. And they, they always say, especially if you're younger, and you put your, you put your finances in, into your super and maybe you put in some high-risk high thing to, to gain more, then don't do it because it could kind of freak you out because all of a sudden you could have a lot of money there and then, then a few months later you might not have much money there. And then a few months later you might have a lot more money there. It's inconsistent, it seems, and, and fluctuating. And, and I don't understand it, but one thing I can understand is God. One thing that I know that I can put my trust in 100% of the time is God. He is forever faithful. Now, I know I'm a bit strange, uh, probably on a lot of different areas, but one of those areas is in my faith. I was sitting there talking to uh, one, of our, uh, one of our leaders from one of our in our movement over the last few days who was talking about his faith and the young guy who just um, he said you know sometimes 
I just always wonder, you know, it, not is God real, but, um, you know, is this salvation really secure? You know, am I really one of his people? Am I really one of his children? And, and, and it was interesting because for me, I, I mean, I sat and talked with him and I said, you know what, I can honestly say I just never, I, I never even have a thought that God is not real. I never ever thought that, that my security in Him, that my salvation in him, in him is not complete and is not secure. Do you know why? Because God has come true, through for me. He's proved true for me over and over and over again so many times that it just, it just seems ridiculous for me to doubt Him because He just he proves Himself over and over. And I, I love this passage here because the, the New Testament tradition, I mean, at the time of this writing was that if someone wanted to say, this is absolutely true, I will do this, they would swear an oath. And sometimes that would be to an altar, sometimes that would be an oath to the priest, and sometimes that would be to God himself. And, and hence the phrase, I swear to God, this is true. And so he said, oh, we don't say that. But in, in, in New Testament times, they would say, this is absolutely true, that would end all arguments. And, and I love this phrase because it just said, well, God had no one higher, to him, higher than him or more powerful than him to swear by, so he sweared by himself and said, look, I'm God and I say this is true. I will put this in an oath to you, a commitment to you. And to, to Abraham, he said, you will become the father of many nations. So if you remember the story of Abraham, he was an old man, an old, old man, and his wife was barren. She wasn't able to have children. And yet he comes to him and says, your name is is Abram, which means the, the father. But I want to change your name to, to Abraham, which means the father of many. And I will create in you a seed in which you will become the father of many people. As far as many as the stars are in the heaven, so will your inhabitants be. So will your children be and your generations be. And do you remember what his wife, Sarah, did when she first found out, when she heard the messenger say this? She laughed, right? She, this is ridiculous. And the, the angels, these messengers that came to Abraham said, when you have your son, you're going to name him Isaac, which means laughter. Towards the time which Sarah laughed that God could do the impossible. And yet God did. God provided them Isaac. And then from there, Jacob and Esau and and they're the, the whole 12 tribes of Israel. And we have a whole people, a whole nation of people, a whole group of people, followers of God because of this one man's faith, where God worked the impossible. He trusted God, and he waited for God to be faithful, and he became the father of many. God's promises are secure. We can trust in Him always. We can trust in Him at all times. And it says He put this in a form of an oath so that those who are doubting will say, okay, well now it has to be true. Now He has to come true on this because He's made an oath to us as His people. Now, the oath didn't secure God's Word. God's Word is eternally secure. If He says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But it was put there so that those who were doubting uh, would have no reason to doubt. It would kind of end all arguments. 
There was no more discussing it. Everyone knew whatever God said was going to happen. The Word of God can be trusted. He is forever faithful to do what He says He's going to do. And so we can completely trust in Him. And it says His Word enters into the behind the curtain, it says uh, in this passage, or into the uh, Holy of Holies in the temple where God's presence Himself was and where Jesus intercedes on our behalf, where He speaks to God on our behalf, where He is our final sacrifice. And it again mentions that He is a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now again, we'll talk more about Melchizedek in chapter 7. And so uh, go ahead and be reading along, or read ahead in chapter 7 so you're aware more of Him. But as we talked about last week, Melchizedek was a priest back in Abram's time. And then he's mentioned a thousand years later in Psalms for his faithful service. And it had become for the, the, the Hebrew people a bit of a, an, an icon of what a priest should be like. He had become the, the priest that just interceded for the, the people and, and made sacrifices for the people forever. And he, what they had idealized in Melchizedek, came true to be realized in, in Christ Jesus in that he was the perfect one, completely pure and spotless and blameless. God himself, who stood before God on our behalf, who stands before God on our behalf, and who in himself became the perfect sacrifice who once and for all cleanses the sins of all who will trust in him. And so the challenge from today's reading is to keep trusting. Keep going on in that journey searching for God because He can be found. God is real and God is true and will forever be faithful to His promises. He offers you eternal life. Yeah, you. He knows you. He knows the mistakes you made. He knows the times when you're unfaithful to Him. And He still loves you so much. God loves you so much that He sent His own Son to die on a cross so that with His life He could pay the price for that sin. And all you have to do is trust in Him and you can have life, secure life for all of eternity in the presence of God for any who trust in Him. But this passage is also an encouragement to keep on trusting and growing in your journey of faith. Oh, Christian, there is so much more to learn. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Isn't that a great old song? Every day with Jesus, I love Him more and more. That's how I found. That's what I found. And what I want you to find is, is that God is, is true and, he, and, and to, to keep on trusting Him not only in the good times, but in the challenging times when you cannot see how it could work out, when you, it seems like everything is impossible, when it seems like the family don't understand why you would trust in God, when it seems like your friends are saying, why would you trust in God? Look what's happening to you. Look what situation you're in. To stand strong and say, I will not be silent. I will trust in God, for He is forever faithful. And through these times in trusting, He proves true, He proves faithful, He brings us through stronger than ever, He brings us through mature 
and growing in our faith. Keep trusting. Keep growing on that journey of faith. We need to know Him and love Him more and more. And to know Him more is to love Him more and to share more of Him in all of our lives. God is forever faithful. His sacrifices provides eternal salvation which is eternally secure. His love and His mercy and His power and authority allows Him to continue to come before God on our behalf and show mercy. He is the one who can keep on picking us back up, putting us back on the right path. He is the one that keeps forgiving and keeps showing mercy and keeps showing grace. He is the one who teaches us how to love. He is the one that teaches us how to work together. He is the one that through us, His church, shows His grace and mercy to our community. I want to challenge you, church, keep trusting Him. Keep on growing in that faith. Keep on walking with Him and maturing in that. Oh, if you were out there and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you wonder about Christianity and all is all this for real? I want to say, don't give up on that search. God wants you to know Him as, His, as Lord and Savior. God wants you to surrender your life to Him. And He's asking you today, just trust Him. Just trust Him. I know you've been let down by people before. I know maybe you've been let down by family or friends or co-workers or whatever. You've been let down by government leaders. You've been let down by organizational leaders. You may have been let down by the church. God will be forever faithful. And I want to ask you, don't put your trust in me. Don't put your trust in the church. Don't put your trust in any one person. Trust today in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will find salvation. You will find hope. You will find security and peace like you've never known. Church, keep on trusting. Keep on loving Him. Together, He has brought us together to trust Him together, to learn who He is together, to serve Him together, and to to know that we can trust in Him. To know that as He leads us, He will be faithful to provide us what we need. He will be faithful to share His love and grace and mercy through us as we just trust in Him. Let's do that together as as His people. Let me just lead us in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly God, I thank you and I praise you for who you are. For your faithfulness and your mercy and your grace. Lord, I thank you for the cross. For you offering your Son, Jesus Christ, as a payment for our sin. And I thank you, Lord, that you never give up on us. That you constantly pursue us with your love and mercy. And you give all of us, no matter how fallen we are, or no matter how many times, God, you give us opportunity to know you and to know of your salvation and your mercy. Lord, if you are working in someone's heart and life today, God, let them recognize that now is the time to give their life to you. Now is the time to put their trust in you. And Lord, we know, we thank you, and we praise you that they will find hope and salvation and security in you. Lord, for the Christian, who at times has found it a struggle to to trust and to believe. Because we live in a world of uncertainty. Lord, may we find that certainty in You. And may they today renew that commitment to follow You, even in the darkest of times, to follow You in the times of uncertainty, for You will prove forever faithful and help us as a church to be a place of support and encouragement and accountability to keep our eyes on You, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
be honored and glorified and served through us together, God, your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.